0: Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Today's reading is taken from Ruth, chapter 1, verse 20, through to Ruth, chapter 2, verse 3, and can be found on page 267 of the Church Bibles. So starting from Ruth, chapter 1, verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Naomi. Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Emilech. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we ask, Lord God, that we would just learn something of your love for us today. Father, thank you that you have a perfect plan for each of us here. That you love us and you know the detail of our lives. Amen. So we're back in the book of Ruth. Do keep your Bibles open or your phones. I trust you implicitly not to be ordering things on Amazon Prime um, or maybe even watching the cricket, as I think someone was doing earlier um, and continues to do. But it's up to you. It's your call. But um, if if you can, uh, just have access to, to the Bible, to this, and we're going to be looking at some other verses. They will come up on the screens, but um, it might help you if you've got your Bibles open. Book of Ruth. Now in my bible it's four pages long so it shouldn't take you long to read the whole of the book of Ruth. So do I'd encourage you to read through it as over these next few weeks. It's a short story about God caring for us and being in the detail of our lives. And 3 weeks ago Andrew kicked off the series and gave a very good account i think he, uh, he said what was the recap he said they arrived somewhere and all the men died and that was it and that is what happens and then mick a couple of weeks ago mick Frain um talked us through and particularly focused on that verse seven where naomi left the place where she was and did an about turn and started going back to god And for some of us sometimes, in our lives, we get into a place where we're a long way from God. And we might need to turn around and go back to God. And I met many, and it was interesting, particularly the last Alpha course we did. There were a number there who suddenly thought, gosh, actually, it's time to turn and get back on that road to God. And if that's you this morning, God is waiting God wants to be in relationship with you. God desires to be in relationship with you. And this short book of Ruth helps us understand a bit more about that and reveals, I think, how God is in the detail of our lives, even if we don't realize it. And um, there she is at the end of chapter 1. Naomi thinks God has abandoned her. And she says, if you've got it open, she says, call me Mara, which means bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, which means pleasant? The Lord has brought mis- misfortune upon me. And, and the, the crux of that story is this husband and wife with their two sons go from the promised land. from Because there was a famine there, they go to a pretty... Desolate place, godless place, thinking they'll make their fortune there. The husband dies, the sons marry, the sons die. She's now back in the promised land, but she feels God has abandoned her. Maybe you think God has abandoned you in your life. Maybe there are things going on that may, many of us may not even know about. Things that maybe echo from the prayer that Ian said. Things that are going on that do you feel abandoned by God? Do you believe God's really abandoned you and isn't interested in the details of life? Because He is. He is interested. And there's a verse in Joshua 1 9, I think Daniel put that one up. And it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is with us in our circumstances. And these are verses I'd encourage you to write down and memorize. Have it printed out somewhere, popping up on your computer screens, your phones. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God never leaves us, forsakes us, or abandons us. He loves us. And he knows everything about us. And we saw that a bit last week uh, when Mary was talking about acorn and God being involved in the formation of our lives. And that reminder, Psalm 139. You've searched me and you know me, Lord. You know me when I sit and when I rise. And then in verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That, and there are many, many more promises In the Bible. Of course so far in the book of Ruth. It's not been particularly happy. Clappy has it. It's not been a lot of good news. This ill-advised trip to Moab. Three funerals. Three widows. Then a sad trip back to the promised land. To Bethlehem. And where Naomi feels and senses. God has abandoned her. It all seems lost. What do we do? And we're in dire straits. What do we do? And here, finally, at the end of chapter 1, just at the end there, there's a glimmer of hope as things begin to change. And the book of Ruth, the reason it's important is it's where it is in the Old Testament. It's a tiny book. It's a, a book about a woman. and It's, it's got a woman's name, but it, a, amongst it, all these kings and prophets. And yet this book is about f- three ordinary people about three ordinary people whose lives matter to God. And I hope that gives you encouragement that our lives also matter to God. And here at the end of chapter 1, it's the beginning of the barley harvest, and that is a sign that things are about to change. And sometimes in our lives, it can feel like nothing's going to change. That perhaps what we've been through recently, through yesterday... Things are just dire, and yet we do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. God may and possibly will bring about change. Anything can happen. Look at these three people in this book, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Three ordinary people in the Old Testament who God cares about. Let's look at this this gentleman, uh, Boaz. We're told, and we're going to find out more about him when we we look at him later on in this chapter. But for this morning, we know a little bit about him. He's a family member of Elamech. So they have some family connections there. He's wealthy. He's a man of God. So he's related to them. It would appear that Boaz is the right man at the right time, in the right place. But of course, he doesn't know that yet. We find out later on in in verse 20 of chapter 2, Boaz and Naomi cries with delight. Boaz is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers, it says in verse 20. He's come to redeem us. And God puts these three people in touch with each other. Just by chance? Nothing is by chance with God. God is a God of detail. And he's the God of detail in our lives. Then we have Ruth. She's an outsider. She's a Moabite. She's not born to faith. But she's devoted to her mother-in-law, to Naomi. She says in uh, chapter 1, verse 16, Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. She's taking on the God of Israel. We learn about Ruth's character, and just in these few verses, she says in verse 2, let me go to the field and pick up the leftover grain. She's willing to work. She's humble. She's willing to do a manual job because her and Naomi are in dire straits. This, as I said, is a woman's perspective from the Bible, not seen very often in the Old Testament. At that time, women were very dependent on male relatives, husbands, fathers, brothers, cousins. But the men took decisions. Sometimes women couldn't even inherit, there had to be specific reasons how they could do. So Naomi and Ruth's lives, in human terms, were very much dependent on others, on charity. But we see God at work in their lives. And Ruth, she's wonderful. She doesn't wallow in self-pity. She's chosen to go with Naomi. So she's choosing to take initiative. She's choosing to go out there and pick the cord. Now, it's not that Ruth had a little master plan. She didn't wear some sort of lip, put a lippy on that day and think, oh, I'll attract the attention of some man who's wealthy so all our problems will be over. She's genuinely going there to work to get the corn and god has his hand on her life god is involved in the detail this this tells us and this morning we're thinking about the providence of god god in the detail and then verse three it says so ruth went out she entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters as it turned out by chance as it said in other uh, bible versions she was working in a field belonging to Boaz now you have to bear in mind it didn't have a sign there saying this is Boaz's field there was vast landscapes and they were often just split up with stones marking out different fields she just happened upon by chance that particular field this is God at work isn't it are there times in your life when by chance something's happened? A God incident, if you like. Think about that. And I can mention many in my own lives. I think we all can if we think about it. Those of us with the faith in God, when we reflect back and see God at work. Maybe we didn't see it at the time. God is guiding. And Ruth, of course, could have just stayed at home. And things might have taken longer, but she takes the initiative. And again, sometimes in our lives, it may be that we need to take initiative. We need to reach out. That Logos ship, you know, maybe that's something God's calling some of you to do, whatever age you are. Is God calling you to go on that ship? It'd be very exciting, wouldn't it, to send a group out from here? Yes? I don't know, maybe not me, but there'll be someone. If it could be me, does that make sense? What is God calling you to do? Is there something God's prompting you to do? God is not a God of accidents or chance. God is involved in the details of our lives, as he is with Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. God's providence shows us that God cares. And there's a theologian, R.C. Sproul, I don't know if that will come up. And he says, God doesn't just roll a dice, nothing happens by chance ever sometimes we limit our thinking that we think well God is very much involved in my day today and as I go along God's there but actually God's bigger than that. He's, he's ahead of us He's in the future as well as the past and the now He's omnipresent. I think sometimes we limit God's powers and ability with our own little brains. God is so much bigger than that. He's outside of our time. He goes before us And of course, we naturally will stress and worry about things. But can't we spend less time doing that and more time trusting that ultimately God has the best for us? God is ahead of us. And as we see in this short story, if you read it, you know, if Naomi had given up at the end of chapter 1, but actually look how the story unfolds. God is at work in this story. And God is at work in your lives. It's no chance that you're here today. There's no chance that these things happen where God is in your life. And the reality is, though, is we don't always know what God's doing in our lives, we don't see it on a day to day basis. It's only sometimes when we reflect back that God is in our lives, God is there in the detail. Can't always know what that detail is. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I remember my uh, Irish nana, and she had a very strong faith, and she'd say, it's, I won't do the accent, she'll say, it, it's all for the best. She always used to say, it's all for the best. God is going get, to get you there in the end. It's all for the best. But do we believe that? Can we trust that? Romans 8, 20, Romans 8:28, "And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose." Again, write these verses down, Romans 8:28. "In all things, God has the best for us. It's really important, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose do you believe that and the thing is we can believe that perhaps on the high days and the holidays but not in the low days and so if you've memorized that verse if you've got it written down somewhere in the low days in the crap days you can be going back to that does that make sense it's a, it's a it's a something in your toolbox to help you in your faith because without it what is what is that faith in That isn't a, a, All these promises doesn't mean though that life's going to be easy and puppies and rainbows, you know, the Christian life's all going to be. Is it going to be simple? I'm looking at those who've been Christians a number of years. Has there been a good easy life? No. It's not that we want the hard choice, but sometimes it isn't the easiest choice. But God works ultimately for the good of his children, you and me. Where do you think God is in your life today? The end of January twenty twenty four? Where is God with you this morning? Is He in the detail? Or is it some arbitrary God who just throws the dice occasionally and might love you possibly if you're good? Where is God in your life this morning? And and Tandy read this verse earlier Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Can we say that, that verse together? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And if we know these verses, when the tough stuff comes, we can go back to them. Does that make sense? These are promises from God that God will never forsake us or leave us that is in the detail of our lives. But it might be that like Naomi in verse 7 we need to turn back to God and go back to him. That's fine. He's there waiting. He's there waiting. Do you recognize God in, in some of the the richness and the ups and downs of your life. Can you see the hallmark of him there? If you can't, I'd encourage you to look at some of these verses to remind yourself of these promises. Read through this short story and see that God cares even in the ordinary things and that it's all for the best. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are in the detail of our lives. Very often, Lord, we can't see it. And for some of us today, it is, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough year so far. There's stuff going on. But we ask, Father, we would see you in it. We thank you, Lord, that you have a perfect plan for our lives. And that in all things, you'll work things for the good. And ask this morning that each person here would know that and not leave here without knowing that truth. In the name of Jesus, Amen.